Hey, Leash. Hey, Brie What's going on? Not much. I'm excited to record episode two of No Rules to Live By with you. What's going on today? I went to a, um, it's like an angelic workshop um, with this uh, teacher, Christina Oroche, who I've been following for a long time. It was pretty powerful. I thought of you a few times throughout it. Um, but it was basically kind of like a new moon um, workshop on like accepting your soul's purpose. Mm. And you're yeah. coming to my new moon workshop later, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a these... really potent one. Yeah. I love the days when I like don't have too much going on on the work front, but I'm like on Zoom all day and Will's like, what are you doing up there? Like, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> Hanging out with my friends, various subcultures that I have partaken. Um, yeah. So. Um, it's also our gorgeous niece's birthday, and she is definitely an angel, so it makes perfect sense that today is her birthday. Yes. Florence is too. Did you see those photos of her uh, with the owl and the yes. rat? Literally petting a rat. Like, fear- just a fearless girl. We love it. She loves animals. It's really cool. Um yeah, I can't wait to celebrate with her this weekend. Oops. Um, and it's crazy. I was just looking at her birthday this morning. I wish I knew more about numerology. All I know is like when you see patterns, it's definitely significant. And uh, her birthday is like one one one, and then it was two thousand twenty two. So it's like one 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 two two two. Um. So I don't know what that means, but it's definitely powerful. I know that her birthday was a really big moment for me, and I can only imagine what it was like for her parents and for you, but as our the first grandchild, my first niece or nephew, I just remember her being born, and it almost felt like, it felt like transformative. It felt like, wow, like this is, this it was a complete dynamic shift for our family and just uh, changed the way that I think about, like, just pure light is all she appeared as. It's like, you are, like, the closest, the closest being to God that I know right now. Yeah. I, I was definitely thinking about, like, just lo- when I think about when she, like, entered the chat, um, just <laughs> like a beam of light. It was a tough... It was like a kind of a tough couple. I mean, it's been a tough couple of years. Um, and especially like 2020 to like 2022, we went from like all living at mom and dad's house to, you know, all sorts of highs and lows and kind of driving each other crazy in many respects. Yeah. I feel like so as a for family. reference, it was Alicia and her now husband, but boyfriend. Um, Brendan came with his wife, Sarah. Our, my twin sister, Danielle, and she had just started dating her now fiancé, John, who was in and out of the, the house, and myself and my now ex, all in one house during certain periods of COVID. And now we came in and out, but it was definitely it was definitely chaotic. And, um, and don't forget Remy. Oh, and Remy. Star of the show. Honestly, had Remy not been there, I don't think we would have survived. He was our therapy dog. Truly. Truly, truly. Um, 
So let's let's dive into this book that we've both started reading, Outlive. And we had a really great session with this this book club that I'm a part of yesterday, and it was really fun to hear there are different doctors and experts in this book club. And what I love about it is that there's people that are way smarter than me in it. It's my favorite. <laughs> I think it's just really it's important to intentionally seek out spaces where there are people who are continuously nourishing you with new knowledge and things that you wouldn't think of and perspectives that you wouldn't have be able to develop on your own. But this, um, the topic we want to cover today is kind of our experience with health and fitness pretty generally and why it's such a passionate topic for us. And I think starting with this book and the idea of health span is a really great place to start. So Outlive by Peter Atia. It's a pretty dense book. It covers a lot of ground. As for last night, we basically just went through the first half. So I'm going to try to read through the next half for, for next week. But essentially, um, a lot of what he is bringing forward and kind of explaining in a more, in, in like an easy to understand way, which I really appreciated, is this concept of med medicine 3.0. And so he touches a lot on like the first phases of medicine and almost kind of reminded me of like the way we talk about like the internet that now we're like in this new phase, um, similar to medicine, how we went from phase one where it's like, okay, um, sanitation is, is important and like germs are exist, um, to like medicine 2.0, which was like penicillin and antibiotics and now we're entering this like medicine 3.0 where he essentially was a doctor practicing in hospitals and he says you know you either die slow or you die fast and pertaining to like either it's like a gunshot wound or you know something traumatic then he's like kind of plugging holes and patching wounds or there were these kind of like slow deaths but either way like he didn't have a lot of control he was already kind of coming into a patient's care when they already had these chronic diseases that he refers to as um, the horsemen, um, which are, he talks about like diabetes, cancer, um, heart conditions, and um, Alzheimer's, um, which is a big one for us because our grandmother um, had Alzheimer's. And that was um, a really impactful chapter on Brianna's high school, uh, my college years. Um, and so yeah, it was really cool. Thanks for inviting me to that book club, Brie. Um, it was a group of probably like 20 to 30 um, extremely intelligent people of all backgrounds and ages and geographies. And um, what was really interesting is it started with a doctor kind of in this more like progressive preventative medicine space share that's been doing it for over 30 years, um, who hope I'd love to have on this uh, <laughs> podcast eventually really cool guy talking about his experience putting these um concepts into practice that that peter's talking about with this medicine 3.0 which is you know instead of waiting for someone to walk into your office with cancer with alzheimer's etc like let's take it back a few steps and let's think about like what can we do to prevent um the diseases from ever occurring um and this is, is, this is where our healthcare system is so flawed because <laughs> preventative medicine should be something that everyone is encouraged to do, but the system wants us to be sick. And I think that's 
um, you know, sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's, it's just not, it's just the reality. Yeah. And Peter touches on that in the book quite a few times on how, you know, he would come up with these like creative ways to make sure that patients had like the exact precise dosing, um, at the right time. And he would get like slaps on the wrist basically and chastised publicly, um, in the hospital because, you know, they're trying to like save money and insurance, um, and they're not actually looking out for like the best case, uh, best outcome for the patients, like all the time. Um, so it's pretty sobering to read that. And I, I think, you know, it's true, but when you start, like, I love, uh, like the power of storytelling when you hear these like personal anecdotes, um, that he experienced, like in his first few years as, as a, uh, a resident, um, you're just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is like crazy. His kind of takeaways are, you know, the most important elements that we can, can control in preventing these kind of horseman diseases are, um, he says the most important one is exercise, which is like not completely mind blowing. Um, uh, but it is interesting that he prioritizes that above nutrition and above sleep. Though those, those are extremely important, uh, as well as, and then he also touches a lot on like supplementation, um, so kind of wanted to, to delve into like our relationship with exercise and what's worked for us over the years. And yeah, just kind of have a conversation about, um, how we can kind of take these practices that, uh, Peter Atia talks about and like put them into play. Yeah. So Alicia, right now, what is your, what is your current like workout routine or goal? What is, what are you focused on or, and then we can go back and talk about you know, all of the different, the different phases we've been through. I was really into like weight training and I still do really like resistance training, but I have found that Pilates is just like, has such a positive impact on my body. It's still extremely challenging, but it's gentle enough that I can do it like multiple times a week. And I just think the results are great. Um, so I've been really into that lately, but I want to mix in some more strength training. I think we were talking about this the other day, like maybe like Saturdays will be my just kind of like full body, like free weight day. Or sometimes I'll go to like a Metcon or like Tabata, which are like weight training hit classes at Equinox um, to kind of just get some heavier weights in there. Yeah. Right now, what I'm really big on is mobility training. And I just started doing it. It was one of my like, you know, quote unquote resolutions for the year. Um, because I've done all types of extreme exercise and I love trying new things, but I, I had got this idea in my head. It's like, okay, I really want to start really like lifting heavier. I want to start, um, you know, doing a kind of body building style split again. And then I realized I have been struggling on and off where in phases where I will go all in and I will go back to a intense lifting routine and I will get hurt. And then I'm back to the beginning where I'm doing low impact and I'm doing, um, and you know, I, I love to go to Pilates also. I go at least twice a week. Um, and it's really been, it's been terrific for me because it is low impact but it's still really hard so I enjoy that but um, I started working 
on mobility training and I'll have to update you all on how it goes, but it's something where I have this, I have a back injury, which I could really, really go deep into this back injury that I've been trying to heal from for about a decade. Hopefully it works. It's a lot of doing, you know, really slow movements, stretching your nervous system, getting your joints to all be aligned and activating and fixing all of the muscular imbalances in your body. And hopefully that will start to resolve some of the, I mean, mixed with all of the other treatments that I do, um, start to make some effort. So that's what my current workout plan is, is Pilates mixed with mobility training. And I'll probably still do some, some weights like I t- traditionally do. Why don't you tell your story on, cause you know, I know it's been a, it's been a progression on you, like figuring out what does work for your body. Like how did you originally get into fitness? Um, and how has your like routine evolved over time? Yeah. So I, as a kid, I really did everything from from dance to field hockey, lacrosse, basketball. You know, we were made to try everything as kids. And that was, I think, really constructive because I think having an idea of what you like and what you don't like is really important. But the thing that I was really, really passionate about was ballet. I loved ballet I and I danced a, a lot, like, you know, sometimes four hours a day after school. Um, typically at like a, I think four or five times a week, it was quite intense actually. And the, the thing was that I loved it. I also got really flexible, really strong. I was in really, really great shape in high school. I also would go before school. I was part of the high school's dance team. I was the captain. I would choreograph it. I would choreograph flash mobs. I loved dance and it was such a huge part of my personality and how I identified myself. And then you were so good. Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, getting worse at thing at your hobbies is definitely something that I'm um, is a whole topic because it's it's really hard to you know being being a dancer that and you know I, it's not that I was the you know best ever dancer professional. I definitely felt myself get worse. I actually almost transferred um, schools during college to be part of a better dance program, but you know, tangent aside, um, I went to college where even though it wasn't a formal dance program, it was a student-led dance program. I got to do things like choreograph, which I loved to do. And that was really fun and a great way of expressing for me. But it didn't take up very much of my time anymore. And so that's when I started going to the gym. Um, I remember in freshman year, my roommates loved to go on runs. And I was like, I don't, I don't like that. That's just, just, <laughs> that's just yeah, not for me. Um, you'll never find me going for a run. running. <laughs> but I started going to, I didn't know what to do with in, in the gym. So I just would show up to the gym and I would go on the elliptical. Cause like, I guess that's easy. Um, and then I found group fitness and I loved it. And I loved going to these classes and they made me more confident in the gym. And Alicia and I went to the same school, and so she knows. Alicia was actually a big influence on me. It was just like having the confidence to to show up to the gym because Alicia was all about going to the gym. Um, and I – so I started going to these classes. You know, before I knew it, my – you know, by my senior year, I was teaching these cl- – teaching classes called Interval Insanity. Um, 
the and hardest class that that the gym offered brianna taught it was really hard and honestly sometimes i look back at the workouts that i programmed and i'm like this is so mean like this is such a hard <laughs> workout people would cry it was really hard but people liked it because they would show up and expect to have like their butts kicked i actually remember there was one class where the entire men's hockey team came for the, for like what? their workout they had like gotten like some sort of permission to have their workout be the class or something i don't know or they just came for fun um funny um you know there were a lot of girls from my sorority would come and people just liked it and i liked it and i got a great workout from it um, although I'm sure some people came once and never came again because no, well, now, now looking back as everything that, uh, how my workout journey has evolved, um, there are certain things that I, and I always gave modifications, you know, like I got, I was like, I was NASM certified to do it. So I knew to give modifications and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, gosh, they were hard. Um, and I wouldn't have made them that hard. <laughs> uh, okay. So. Take us from your college days teaching interval insanity to how you got into bodybuilding. Yeah. So right after college, I moved to San Francisco to work at a tech startup. And I met my then roommate, who's now like my best friend, and her and I were both really into fitness. And we... At the time, I, so I was still an instructor and I actually got a job teaching just like once a week um, in San Francisco at a studio. And it was, it was actually a Pilates studio, but they also offered like high intensity interval training classes. And so I taught there and, but I also was commuting down to San Mateo and sometimes I'd have to work late and I'd have to cancel my class last minute. And it was really just, you know, that happened like twice. And then I was like, look, I can't promise this won't happen again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 22 years old and this is a new job. I, I have to prioritize it. I'm sorry. Um, so I stopped doing that and that I always wanted to have something outside of work. And this is something that I still live by. It's important to have something outside of work that's defining you. That's not so, cause your entire life, your entire personality can't be your job. Um, and my, my roommate really wanted to get into bodybuilding for her own personal reasons and i of course was in already in like some of the best shape of my life so i was like sure let's do it sounds fun why not <laughs> so i went through a couple coaches before i found one that i liked and then in the next six months you know this is no drinking you know weighing all of my food macros like super super serious cut um, and I competed in May of 2018, a long time ago, actually. And it was really fun. I came in second, I qualified for nationals and it was really, really amazing. And I was in, felt in great shape, but you know, I also at that time, like by the time I competed, I'd actually lost my job, which was, you know, the company, the entire company went under. <laughs> um, so it wasn't a result of my competing it was just that the company was not gonna work out but regardless I was in a really weird place and I was super stressed and bodybuilding had put a ton of stress on my body and I ended up getting an ovarian cyst um and I'd already had one my senior year of college uh sorry not my senior year of college my freshman year of college and I had to get it surgically removed so this was the second time this had happened and it 
twisted. And so I had to get it another emergency surgery. And this is kind of where my back problems, I know that I had had, I had back problems since I started working out. And I think I had like kind of hip discomfort since I was a dancer, but the, and I've always naturally had a pretty solid abdomen, um, just genetically. And I, but that was always destabilizing and I don't think I treated it with the amount of care and I'm still, you know, my now mobility training is constantly dealing with the, the scar tissue from these surgeries. And so in my recovery from that second cyst surgery, um, and I could obviously go hold down a whole rabbit hole of all of the things that I've done to, to both prevent and to care for, prevent ovarian cysts, care for my womb, for my womb health. And that's a whole, a whole topic, but it really affected my workouts because I had to basically go through a lot of physical therapy and being careful about how I rebuilt, not just like my aesthetic abdomen, but the deep, deep layers of my abdomen. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and I've gotten back to lifting, but I just don't lift as intensely or as heavy of weights because I don't feel that I, that I need to. Um, and I feel really comfortable with how strong that I am. I'm still very strong and I love to do everything from Peloton workouts to traditional bodybuilding workouts, if I'm feeling up to it, to Pilates, um, but also being really a lot gentler on my body than I used to be where I was in the gym for, you know, six days a week for two hours. And I give so much credit to people who do that because it's really, really hard. And um, I think that I've learned a lot about the importance of being gentle on, on your body and taking care of, um, the, your body holistically, where clearly I was bodybuilding and I got down to 11% body fat, maybe, maybe less at some point. I, that was probably, probably three weeks before my show, I was at 11% body fat. And the thing that I actually am really grateful for is because I think that something about bodybuilding that I learned is that it's kind of like a it's a way a lot of women use bodybuilding as a way to like recover from disordered eating because they have to be in such control and they have they like you know get told to eat more but I didn't have a a eating disorder going into it and so I was really self-aware by the end of I was like this level of control and aesthetic obsession and nitpicking your body is not it's a good healthy. way to and I could, eating disorder. And I could feel it. And I was like, there is a level of this that is like, that is not healthy. Like this is disordered eating. Cause like I was at my thinnest I'll, I'll probably ever be at. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I don't have, like, I'm not thin enough here or like, oh, like this muscle isn't developed enough. And it's like just nitpicking your body. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's it's intense. It's also really fun. Like I love getting dressed up in the little bikini and like prancing around. And you know, I wore it at Burning Man this year. Actually, my friend and I both wore our competition bikinis at Burning Man this year because um, they're still fun. And you know, there's a level of it that's joyful. But that part, the it's intense. It's a very intense sport. Um, yeah, that you have um, to be really, really mindful. And I think that you have to be in a really good place mentally. Um, to do it otherwise i think it can just be another means of control totally 
I think there are a lot of positives that came from that chapter and kind of to share like my experience with exercise. Um, I, I feel like I always was kind of into movement. I also loved dance growing up. I was in like my high school dance ensemble and as soon as I was old enough to go to the gym, I would go to the gym. And I think a lot of that came from insecurities of like being like kind of chubby as I, when I was younger. Um, my mom, uh, definitely, I definitely had like a body type that was a more, like, I don't know. Like I just had like a belly when I was little. And I think my mom saw a lot of herself in me and in our other sister, Brianna's always been very like fit and petite. Um, and so there were definitely some like, there's all, that's always been a thing is like, Alicia needs to watch what she eats. Alicia needs to exercise, yada, yada. Um, thankfully I like hit puberty and was like, fine. Um, like just in time for high school, but that's like always been a thing since like, I can remember of just, I have to keep an eye on my weight. I have to keep an eye on my exercise. Like it's not going to come easy. It's something I have to like work at in a way that like some people ne don't necessarily have to. I I do. Um, so yeah, I think I first started like similar to like to you, Brie, like just like the elliptical, it's just like so easy, probably like not burning that many calories, like chatting well, away also, with like, my It's friends. showing up. The elliptical is an easy way. And like, for those of you who never been to the gym before, and if you feel scared, like show up and be, get on the elliptical and then, and, or, and then like sit on the mat and do some crunches and leave. And like, even if you're there for 20 minutes and like you, you start to build your, you're showing up and you're getting comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I still do that. I did that a couple days ago when it's like cold out and I don't want to walk. I like to listen to a podcast on the elliptical and then I steam. It's kind of like my little executive workout, but it helps me get my steps. Um, and then similarly, like I would start going to classes at the Y. So um, there was like this Pilates class, like this like incredible teacher who was just like tall and beautiful and ripped. And I was just like, oh, I just go to her classes all the time. Like I'm going to be fine. Um, and then I got into yoga, uh, all at the Y, like in my teens. So, um, so yeah, I think that kind of stuck with me through college. Um, and I was pretty fit. I think it wasn't until I got to college and like freshman year happened where, um, I kind of like, uh, like I definitely gained some weight freshman year. Um, I don't know. This is, it depends like what age is listening to this, but there was this like anonymous website when I was in school, freshman, the end of freshman year it was called college ACB. And you could like, you could basically write anonymous shit about people and like, they wouldn't know who it was a recipe for a disaster. <laughs> Someone like wrote on there that I like, who, who's gained the freshman 15. And someone of course said like Alicia Scully and, uh, yeah, my friend read it to me. We were like all like a vacation house in OBX and I freaking lost it. Um, so then I got really into, I went home and was like, it was like revenge body. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going back to school um, with the freshman 15. So I got, do you remember P90X? Mm -hmm. Dad had just bought that and was, so dad and I did P90X um, all summer, which were basically like, weightlifting videos that you do at home that are like really intensive 
There's like a plyometrics one. There's multiple weightlifting ones. There's a yoga, which is like very hard yoga. And um, I remember the yoga. And a great app workout one. Like I still do a lot of the, the, the moves from their app workout. So that's when I first started weightlifting was P90X. And then I just kind of like made it up like throughout college. I would just like figure out routines, Google things, Pinterest. Um, but that's when I started doing like a mix of weightlifting paired with cardio, um, which was usually either like I don't really run. So like walking, walking uphill um, or the elliptical. Um, and then. But yeah, I, f- I feel like. Brie, when you went through your whole bodybuilding chapter, like the positives that you brought out of it was we all learned a lot about macros. And I don't think I had been doing really any calorie or nutrition um, monitoring. Like I think I ate healthy and um, I tried to limit my gluten and limit my dairy and ate high protein. But well, this is the thing is that we all ate really well. But it was out – it was kind of like a almost – I don't want to say fear-based, but it was like, you know, I think we were raised to kind of, you know, demonize fat and carbs. And most people are, you know, because that, that's how our mothers were raised. And that general generationally you're taught like, oh, well, maybe you should avoid dairy and gluten and, you know, all – and which some people need to do but not everybody – um, it's so much more important that you get the sufficient amount of protein and you can totally eat bread. Like one of my greatest accomplishments in my life is convincing my mother that she can have a piece of toast in the morning and she won't balloon. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot. I mean, it just, that was like the times, you know, she was raised in that kind of like low fat era where it was like margarine, not butter. It's like mm-hmm. margarine is just canola oil and chemicals. But, um, but yeah, Brie and I do a lot of like cleaning out the, just teaching, you know, and, and trying to I'll never explain. forget how mad she got when we first threw, the first time we tried to throw away her Pam spray. The Pam spray, the, I can't believe it's not butter spray. Um, I'm actually really happy. Like she threw that out herself um, a few months ago and that was, that was big. Um, so baby steps, but because she also taught us so much about health and wellness, like the fact that we even know how to cook and we know what's like healthy and not healthy and eating, you know, we were not, we weren't raised with junk food, which I'm really grateful for is was not a norm in our household. Um, and I think that, there, you know, while I also think that it's important now, like if I were to raise a child, I wouldn't necessarily um, say that there are good or bad foods. But I also think that, you know, we were told like, oh, if you're hungry, like, I'll like make you a meal, like have a real, have real food. And I think that value of real food over snack foods has really stayed with us. 100%. 100%. And yeah, I mean, I think like diet culture over the years has changed. And and with that, you know, I think intentions are good. Just the information has been confusing. Mm -hmm. And I think um, a lot of like our parents' generations, like what they think to be healthy are these like, oh, I'm getting like mm-hmm. the, the snack wells. I'm getting yeah. the margarine. I'm getting the, you know, sugar-free like yogurt, even though it's there's like lots of chemicals or, but like the intentions are good. It's just, there's been a lot of misinformation. And so it's like a slow uncovering of, you know, what is the right exercise routine? What is the right nutrition? Mm-hmm. Um etc. Yeah. Um, and mom also, you know, mom, 
she really loves Zumba. She always worked out. So she really modeled that for us. Um, I remember going to yoga with her as like a little kid. Um, and so that was, that was, you know, it's just interesting to think of the ways that diet and exercise are both modeled for you as a child. I remember there was a phase after my injury. I, I couldn't really remember exactly how I got back to working out before, but I did like for a full year, I joined this yoga studio and I would just do their, their yoga classes because that was kind of all my back could handle. Um, and doing, you know, going through phases of doing yoga. And I have a really intense personality where sometimes yoga was actually like not physically hard for me but then I would do it was mentally hard for me because I especially coming from the juxtaposition of bodybuilding into like I just do basically just do yoga now um it was like a really hard mental switch of such intensity and I'm a very fiery person like I've learned to embrace my intensity and also embrace the softness that is the other part of my personality but you know having basically a full year of just yoga workouts was um, was really, really difficult for me at the time. Um, but also amazing. It was probably what I needed. Yeah, no, it's, I've been trying, I love doing yoga. I need to get it more like officially back into my routine. I, I try to catch a class like every couple weeks, but it's the same thing as like getting into meditation. Like when you haven't done it in a while, it's so hard. Like <laughs> I can't turn off my mind. I can't quiet my mind. But like once you get back in the rhythm of of quieting your mind I feel like that's when wisdom and like messages really come through well um, I think that that's where all, all exercise at some level is meditation and I think that for me lifting if I'm feeling full of like anxiety and rage I want to go lift really heavy and if I'm feeling full of grief and stickiness I want to move slowly and do, you know, yoga or maybe, you know, it just, I think that, and I think that that's where, um, for me, exercise really changes. Um, and I know that this is kind of a hot topic of like, oh, should your exercise change with your cycle? But, um, since going off birth control, whole, whole topic, um, but I have really started to, feel the energetic shifts of what my body of when it feels appropriate to push my body and not push my body back to peter adia's book he talks about decreasing inflammation and you know you can work out and be basically stressing your body out or you can be nurturing your body and i think that that's also always something to think about of like at what extent are you causing like you want to be consistently nurturing your body with exercise um, and not using it as any sort of form of like punishment or, um, cause I think that there's people that, that do that subconsciously. Yeah. I think that like mind body connection, um, kind of coming full circle, like, you know what, you know what to do, like, you know, what's best for, for your body. Um, and I think coming back around to your point on the like macro bodybuilding, it then that whole chapter for you, like then informed our whole family about like the power of balancing your, like not just, you know, the calorie counting method, but also really thinking about high protein. I think we always ate high protein, but then really dialing it down into like, okay, but what, how many grams of protein for your body weight? And then, you know, it, 
what are the right calories? And then how do you break that down from carbs to fat, which I've now been following um, with COVID and just being sedentary and like inside. Um, I really needed like a fitness lifestyle, a new like uh, program. And one of Bree's friends from her bodybuilding days ended up being my coach like remotely for a year through COVID, which really helped I me get into I want to just add like, you know, I threw over – since that time I've coached a number of friends and family members and – or just made made plans for people and, you know, one off and wish them luck. Just uh, – and I, and I enjoy doing that. But I also knew that for my sisters it wasn't going to be the appropriate fit. So it was, I was really grateful that, you know, you guys were receptive to working with one of my friends. Yeah. But like, you still help me with my macros and like, you help me with my workouts. Um, you're like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like, right. All but things. you guys would feel comfortable if I was like, this is what you have to do. You could, would feel too comfortable with me and be like, no. <laughs> I mean, you've, I feel like you've definitely been my coach unofficially. Like, I feel like for Brendan's wedding, when I was trying to like drop, I think I dropped, mm-hmm. I, I lost like 10 pounds for Brendan's wedding and you were pretty, you and we're pretty much my coach through that. But then, yeah, like when COVID right. happened a few years later, um, it was good. It was nice to just have someone that was like not your sister. Um, and now I have a different coach, Eric, who's the best. I love him, um, who helped me for my wedding. Um, so it's been an evolution. And um, I think like anything, like if you're trying to get better at one area of your life, whether it be executive or fitness or um, public speaking like get a get a coach like bring in a professional and, and so much of it is and i'd love to have coaches on here and, and talk to them um as we get going but um and all types so much of, of it is just like that accountability mentorship yeah well it, it really is just knowing that someone who is a professional in this field is going to be checking in on you once a week being like did you do the thing that you said you were going to do um especially if you really like respect them and um trust that them the guidance they're giving you is like the right guidance and you're like, uh, and you're paying for it. Um, obviously you're going to just like, yes, be like, yes, coach. Yes, chef. 